Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Pam, uh, firstly for introducing me, but also for having us. Um, the way we kind of decided on having church on the deck was that we decided that this was kind of an extension of North Lakes anyway. So if you've never been here, you've probably heard about it in announcements, but this is the O'Day's deck. So keep that in mind for the future. Um, but it's kind of nerve wracking preaching to a camera, but um, we'll get through it. You can all just sit awkwardly at home. So love that for you. Um, but my hope is that this message will really be one that will kind of engage and empower and immobilize each of us through these uncertain times. I feel like it um, would be a missed opportunity to just preach specifically about the season that we're all walking through. And um, it's obviously at the top of all of our minds and usually in the top of all of our conversations. But I really believe that with my whole heart, this is a chance for the church to rise up and change the way that our whole world sees hope. And I feel like if you're sitting back and you're kind of, you know, lounging back in your futon, sipping a cup of tea and you're thinking, it is time that the church stands up and does something. But I, with my kindest grin on, have some, some surprising news for you. Because no more is the church just a building or a meeting place. No longer is it just in the calendar or something that you're recreationally a part of or something that's on your resume or something that you turn up to every Easter and Christmas. And while the times are changing, every single one of you must rise up to be the church with capital letters, regardless of your brand, your denomination or your location. If you believe with your heart and you profess with your words that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you are the church. I am the church, we are the church in every single conversation, at every opportunity and in, in, even in every single Facebook post. Being the church is now up to all of us. Um, but you know, this isn't a new belief in Christianity and even in Jesus' time, in the Bible, he addressed his disciples just as a group of individuals and he called them the church and they were unable to meet in the temples or safely preach their message in public like it feels like at the moment. But Jesus said, that, said to them in Matthew, um, Matthew 5, he said, you're here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this and as, as public as a city on a hill. And then he continues on to say, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. And I feel like, um, that word is more applicable to us as the church than ever before. It doesn't necessarily mean be open with your house and invite every member of the community in, but it says be generous with your lives. That is the way that we will be countercultural. That is the way we won't conform to patterns of this world. That is the way that we will be the church and point people to Jesus. Um, so Pam mentioned that um, I'm continuing the series that she started last week and um, she, she also mentioned that uh, the promise of a new day and our whole theme for this year at church um, feels like more than ever is a God-ordained message for our world right now. And the promise of a new day for church. No one could have preempted this. No one could have envisioned this or planned this for the church as a whole. But none of it is surprising God. And, um, you know, we're looking through the Old Testament and about how... Um, followers of the Lord uh, changed and became innovative with how they worshipped and how they followed and how they seeked, seeked the Lord, sought the Lord, edit that out, 
Oh, you can't, it's live. <laughs> um, but I'll be continuing through the Old Testament today with the story of Moses crossing the Red Sea. Um, and I've titled this message under the subheading as A New Day for the Church of Christ. And the story picks up in Exodus where Moses has led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery and towards the promised land of milk and honey. Um, I think if you read this story and maybe if you have a couple of spare moments over the next few weeks by yourself, perhaps, this is a really good story for you to reread and just be blown away. Honestly, this is um, just one of those stories that you can apply every single word to every single part of your life and just see God's prophecy working through the Old Testament, um, pointing us to Jesus always. But um, the Lord has really given me a specific picture from this story that I think is imperative to share today and for such a time as this. So um, I will read the scriptures verbatim, of course. There's no um, paraphrasing or putting my own spin on things, but I will omit a few parts of the chapter that kind of digress from the main narrative. Um, so we are picking up the scriptures in chapter 13, verse 17, and this is straight out of Egyptian captivity. So. Um, the Moses has led the Israelites through God um, out of Pharaoh's slavery. And the word says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. He led the, he led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea, which is kind of like God leading us to Sydney via Melbourne. That kind of journey, right? Um and then after he released them, Pharaoh changed his mind and decided to pursue the Israelites again and regain them as slaves. That's a paraphrase. That's not the word. Um, but it says, as the Israelites approached the banks of the Red Sea, chapter 14, verse 10 says, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. That heart sinking feeling I feel. As soon as I read that, I just think, oh, that would be the worst feeling ever. The word continues to say they were terrified and they cried out to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And this is um, the Israelites speaking about this um, crude slavery they were captive in for hundreds of years. And here they are saying, have you just led us out here to die? And I feel like um, maybe all of us, if not most of us have at one stage or another, question God with the same thing. You know, you say you've saved me, you say you've rescued me, you say you've got plans for good. Have you just led me out here to die? Because I feel like I could have just died back there doing my own thing. And, um, you know, instead you've kind of led me on this dead end, hopeless journey. But the word continues and Moses answers the people and says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And if you have ever thought that or you're in the midst of thinking that, especially you have one click on the media or you have one scroll up on your social media and you might think that, God, why have you saved me just to die of a virus or die of being trampled by my fellow man or anything like that? The Lord says in his word, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I feel like that the Lord has some sass in his voice when he said that. Tell them to move on. Move on with it. Get on with it. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water. 
Then in verse 21, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and all that, this is the word, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. And this is God's word. I feel like just reading this story, you can have a thousand different applications, but the main parallel that we get from this story when we um, have the thread of Jesus in mind is that God has made a way for us through Jesus Christ, who stands at the beginning and the end of the story. And instead of Moses' hand outstretched over the water, we have the Holy Spirit that from the very beginning has hovered over the water. And now he leads us, guides us and corrects us on the path towards the promised land, which is at the end of our life and at the end of this world's life, the promised land is in heaven. But um, that's the kind of like Jesus takeaway for that. But let me point out a couple of things that um, are super easy to gloss over in this story to just help me paint the picture to you um, for what I feel like the Lord is speaking to about our church. And these are um, tiny details that didn't, with those kind of things where you read the word and they don't stand out straight away and you read it again. And then it's just like for the 10th or 11th time, a word just pops out and it's like, you feel like it wasn't even there to begin with, you know? Um, but number one, it wasn't just a few enemies that, that were pursuing the Israelites. Verse 7 said that Pharaoh took 600 of the best chariots. And you're like, 600? That's so many. And then it says, along with all of the other chariots. So this is not just 600 of the best. This is the whole army plus 600 of the best that are worth noting. And I feel like, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, and you kind of think about who these people were to the Israelites who were fleeing them. The Israelites would have known a lot of them. If not, they were, they were serving them previously in their past life of slavery, or they were known killers to them. They had reputations. They um, knew to like walk away from them if they ever saw, saw them in the street when they were in slavery. And here they are pursuing them. Suddenly the Israelites who were serving them have become enemy number ones. Um, and then for us in this kind of um, new depiction of the story, the chariots and the officers are representative of every single enemy in this world today. And the word says our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they are against the dark things of this world. There's not only a virus standing up behind there, pursuing us and taunting us and chasing us, but there are all of our past masters, things that we thought we had gotten free from, are chasing us, pursuing us, known killers, familiar foes. And in this walk, we are pursued constantly by them, by poverty, fear, disease, loneliness, busyness, selfishness, suicide, etc., etc., etc. Insert your great fear, insert, insert the thing you thought you had escaped from into this text and you can see it in hot pursuit. No matter how far we've walked towards Jesus, the pursuit doesn't stop until the sea closes over and we are in the promised land. That pursuit will continue and chase after us for all of our days. And I know that's freaky to hear. But maybe, and number two of things that we didn't, maybe didn't notice in this text, like little Easter eggs. Um, but in verse 21, when Moses stretched out his hand over the, over the sea, the word says, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back, which means that, which means the Israelites crossed the sea at night. 
I feel like I read this and I was like, oh my gosh, every cartoon, every like image depiction of this, you just kind of see them walking through in the day, but it says that they are crossing at night. And this, it, like if the fear of what was pursuing you didn't scare you, walking through a channel of water in pitch black darkness, that is enough to incite fear. Um, and again, I feel like reading this, it was like, that is what it is. We are walking towards a new day all the time. All the time as Jesus calls us, we are walking through the night and breaking through into a new day. Um, number three, the Lord pulled back the water with a strong east wind. I don't know why I always skipped over this part, but I always just thought like they just parted. But walking through a strong east wind would be shocking when you're going through water at nighttime with all of your enemies behind you. It's just all of these things that you think, walking through wind is bad. You know how everyone freaks out when there's wind and it's like, ah, that's the wind. Our hair's going everywhere. Our clothes are going everywhere. There's dust in the eyes. It's all happening. This is all just like a cherry on top of a cherry on top. And it is just, honestly, I kept reading. I was like, this is a nightmare, Lord. What a deliverance story. Gosh. Um, and then also, I also Googled how deep is the Red Sea because once again in my mind and in every cartoon I feel like I've ever seen, it's like Moses standing with his staff and the water's maybe a meter higher than him. The average depth of the Red Sea these days, so probably global warning a little, little lower now, the average depth is 490 meters deep. Oh my gosh. And it goes deeper than that. Anyway, obviously, but... <laughs> I feel like when you read all of these things and then you read the story with new light and if you have a second this week, do read it with new light. But it kind of makes me feel like Peter walking on the water is like a bit of a cinch. Like you don't have that much to worry about. You're walking towards Jesus, you know, like here are the Israelites walking through the Red Sea with every single thing against them. Um, but I was reading this story and I have had this story um, allocated to me for a couple of weeks as we've been planning the teaching. But God has just kept this same image in my head the whole time. And even before um, all that's happening with the virus and all that's happening with the news and people's fear and the scarcity and the media and the voices that are overtaking us, um, God has given me this vision over and over and over again. And so I feel it is a great weight to share it with you. Um, but I also feel it is so important for us to be um, understanding where God is leading us in this time. And um, the only thing that I can liken it to is I walked into um, Chemist Warehouse the other day, not to get sanitizer, not to get anything controversial. I was getting some blue band-aids for work. And um, I walked in and there were three TVs up on the wall. If you've been to Chemist Warehouse, you would know what I mean with the post-its everywhere and the signs everywhere and the specials on everything and the, all of the things going on. It's like a sensory overload in general. But there were three TVs. These two were, were um, communicating the same message, but about five seconds apart. So it was like this really stressful echo of this lady promoting a um, face mask kind of thing. And then this one here was promoting a sports supplement by a male voice. And so you couldn't hear any of them clearly, but they were all going at full blast the whole time. And I said, okay, I've just got to get to the back of the shop. And then at the back of the shop, there was a break in the aisles and um, there were three more screens. 
and they were all showing different messages again. There was Chemist Warehouse Radio going over the top saying their opening hours and how if you need anything, they'll give a price discount. And then over the top of that was the news, like the actual um, schools have been evacuated, blah, blah, blah kind of news. And then over the top of that was a Katy Perry song. And so there was this moment in the middle of the shop, like at the start of the shop, you could just see the three screens and then towards the back, the news was playing because I think the pharmacists were watching it. Um, and the other screens were there and then Katy Perry and the radio. And in the middle of the shop, you could hear everything from the front and everything from the back and everything from the roof. And there were post-its everywhere and it was my actual nightmare. And you know what? I walked out without blue band-aids, without anything necessary. I couldn't even focus on what I was doing. And I just thought, that is what we are doing. We are so blindsided with the media and the social media and conspiracies and darkness and things we should be doing and things we shouldn't be doing. And these voices that we let in take away from our mission. And our mission is being Jesus in the world, is being the light to people, being the salt, being the... Um, the flavors and the light of the world that brings more of God out in others. That is, we have the Great Commission and it is to go out in all nations and make disciples of every person we come across. But how many of us miss our mission because of the noise and the input and the sensory overload that it is just coming at us from every angle? Um, that wasn't the vision that I had of me in Chemist Warehouse, unsurprisingly, but the vision is a similar notion to um, that which William Booth um, first prophesied in 1906, and that is the vision of the lost. And a few weeks ago, when Pam um, cast our vision for the year, she mentioned this and she put an image on the screen of this and did a really good job of bringing us back to the foundation of the Salvation Army. and. Um, you know, he paints this picture of all of us on a rock and we've been saved by the Messiah. And um, instead of going out and reaching the lost, we're kind of focusing on ourselves and turning our back um, on the things that are important as if we forget what salvation was like for us. Um, but in the vision, in the vision that I feel like the Lord's given to me through this scripture, like the Israelites, the church is walking through the depths of darkness. But and with the walls of the ocean or the Red Sea on either side of us, on the other side of the water are the lost. And the people around us, those who are trying to escape the same fears as us, walking with the some aligning values with the same enemies as us pursuing them, but not having dry ground to stand on. And some may be even pulling us from the dry ground towards them and saying, you cannot be standing on dry ground right now. It is not possible. For you to have dry ground underneath you and some may say we're crazy and there are some of us who may even believe them but when we have our eyes fixed on jesus we have enough grounding we have enough strength we have enough foundations to reach out to others we can steady them and ground them in the hope that we have um, and i think it's obvious to say that this walk this world is not a walk in the park like we might first read when we see the story of the Red Sea. Our life isn't walked in the sunshiny goodness that the day brings, but we must find peace in being in this world, but always rebuke the notion of being of it. We are not floating around in the water, fighting currents with skewed vision, going with the flow. We will not conform to the patterns of this world. Instead, we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We will seek God when it feels like the enemy is pursuing us, we will declare the goodness of God when we only see evil. 
we will rest in the arms of our Father when the day, when the day He is calling us to feels far away. Not because of what we've done, but because of the one who went before us, the one who split the sea for us, the one who bridged the gap that sin created, and the one who is lovingly calling us home to the Father. I want to conclude just by reading you the last couple of paragraphs of, of William's Booth, William Booth's vision. Um, and then I will pray. And I hope that this is a practical way for you to wake up and stand up as the church, to see those around us who are going with the currents, who are fleeing from the same enemy but have no ground to stand on, those who have put hope in the economy and those who have put hope in the healthcare system and those who have even put hope in humanity, those who are searching for true hope, that they would find it through you because you are grounded in hope and always pointing people towards Jesus. So this is the last four, no, last couple of paragraphs, four. William Booth, 1906. Does the surging sea look dark and dangerous? Unquestionably, it is so. There is no doubt that the leap for you, as for everyone who takes it, means great difficulty and scorn and suffering. Great sell. For you, it may mean more than this. It may mean death. He who beckons you from the sea, however, knows what it will mean. And knowing he still calls to you and bids you to come. And you must do it. You cannot hold back. You have enjoyed yourself in Christianity long enough. You have had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings, pleasant prospects. There has been much of human happiness, much clapping of hands and shouting of praises, very much of heaven on earth. Now then, go to God and tell him you are prepared as much as necessary to turn your back upon it all, that you are willing to spend the rest of your days struggling in the midst of these perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. And you must do it with the light that is now broken in upon your mind and the call that is now surrounding your ears and the beckoning hands that are now before your eyes, you have no alternative. To go down among the perishing crowds or to reach out towards the perishing crowds is your duty. Your happiness from now on will consist in sharing their misery, your ease in sharing their pain, your crown in helping them to bear their cross, and your heaven in, in going to the very jaws of hell to rescue them. And that is the word that God still has for us today. As a part of the Salvation Army and a part of this great mission, it is calling us to answer the call that Jesus is putting upon us to go out into all nations in all circumstances, no matter how dark it is, no matter how windy it is, no matter how pulled from side to side we feel, no matter how fearful we feel, we take up the cross because Jesus has called us and he has paid, the Father has paid the ultimate price, his one and only son to make a way for us in the wilderness, to cast out all darkness and put dry ground down the middle of this broken, hurting, fearful world. We have a rock to stand on. We have a refuge. We have hope in Jesus and we have the living word. The Holy Spirit cast across our life and living within us, illuminating our steps, providing a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The one who is calling us home. And the call is to me, it's to you, it's to each of us. It's made new every single morning. 
And that is my call to you guys and to me and a reminder for all of us that this is the time for the church to wake up, to rise up and to change the world. So um, I'm going to pray and then Pam will conclude our first online service. Um, Lord, thank you so much for making a way for us in the wilderness, Lord. Thank you so much for illuminating your word and making it alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. We are claiming that every Christian who hears this message, every person who hears the saving message of Jesus, Lord, would feel an awakening in their spirit. They would feel um, your presence inside them. They would feel your word come alive each time they open the Bible, God, that you would use this time and work it for good, that you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't, forsake any of us at this time God but as we cry out to you you will just lead us closer to your presence God and help us to find familiarity and comfort and strength in your presence Lord and find the confidence that comes with walking on dry ground despite the odds Lord let us rebuke the words that we couldn't possibly be Christians at this time we couldn't possibly have hope at this time we couldn't possibly have um, a confidence in the utmost God at this time how could we and we will look to them Lord and we will say how could we not God, I pray that, you f that our footings feel firm in you always and that this would be a new season for the church and a new day for the church of Christ, Lord. We love you and we pray in your precious saving name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ree, for that great word. And what a good reminder that God has made a way for us to bring us to a new day and that he has delivered us through Christ. But every day he does that. Every day he is leading us through to a new day. So let's cling to him and hold on to him and take a hold of all that's been said this morning and uh, trust him with the promises that he's given. So we, we keep being victorious every day. So that brings our uh, service to a conclusion this morning. Thank you for coming online and sharing with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Why don't you um, send us a text or something uh, online? Send us a message. Let us know what you thought. Any ideas? That's great. You know, we're happy to receive them. Uh, we're really keen to, to connect with you. And uh, why don't you send us a photo of yourselves in, in, at home watching? You know, we can see Northeast online and we can share that around together and uh, remember that you can connect with us through Instagram, through Facebook, through web the website. Like if you go down today after we get, um, after you finish, you know, scroll down and then you can get all this information that you need and there's a place there to communicate, there's the self-denial video, there's um, link to um, other things that's happening like the prayer, um, get, you know, request for prayer, all that sort of thing. So it's a great opportunity. Stay connected. You know, connect with other people. Remember, be the church, not just to Northeast people. That's really important because we've got to keep encouraging each other. And the more isolated we become, the harder it is to, to keep our faith high. That's why we need to encourage one another. Also, play worship. That really helped me this morning when I was feeling just a little anxious, a little overwhelmed, I put on worship music, the goodness of God. And in a moment, we're going to go out with the, uh, with the song Waymaker and, um, you know, the, that he is our miracle worker, our promise keeper, our waymaker, our light in the darkness. We need to keep letting that, you know, build that into our spirits. So I'm going to pray a benediction over you and then we're going to, we're going to go out with the worship um, Waymaker. Remember who he is and uh, let's cling to him. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for your word, which encourages us to have hope in the midst of darkness and to bring out that hope to others. May we be faithful in that, God. May we never step back from what you've called us to do. May we be the brightest light 
and you know the bring the best flavors right at this time particularly lord in our world when things are hard and difficult for people people are looking for hope may we bring that to them and may we cling to it ourselves so that we don't let go and, and become discouraged but rather we hold to the hope of a new day that is in you and the deliverance that you've given us even through the most difficult of times and deliverance from the enemy we thank you for that god and I pray for everyone here that watching this morning, God, I pray, God, that you will um, bless them and take care of them as they go into this week. Lord, that you'll be kind and gracious to them and you will look on them with your favour and give them your peace. I pray in the name of God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.